One of the most difficult challenges in medicine can be the decision to use a potentially addicting opioid medication to treat pain. We don't want to give malingering, drug-seeking patients meds they can abuse or sell on the street, yet we don't want to withhold treatment to those who really need it. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, Director of Foothill Psychiatry in Boise, your host, and with me today is Dr. Michael Schieser. Dr. Schieser is a graduate of the University of Rochester School of Medicine and has a solo internal medicine practice in Bellevue, Washington. He has worked in urgent care and primary care settings for over 14 years and has developed protocols for using careful history-taking along with point-of-care testing to address the request for pain medication and the treatment of opioid dependence. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Leslie. So, Mike, tell us about the dilemma of not wanting to inappropriately medicate patients who don't need it, but not missing the patients that do genuinely have pain. Yeah, I think this is a push and pull in medicine, of course. And when I finished my residency in 1997, I really was surprised by the degree of requests for opiate medication that I encountered in various clinical settings, especially urgent care, when I was finished. And I felt kind of ill-prepared to manage those situations. And this really was a problem for many years, especially as we saw the increased abuse of prescription painkillers, you know, in our society, which is still a huge problem today. What are the elements of our system, of our medical system, that contribute to the physician staying in the dark around the patient's pattern of abusing or using prescription drugs? Sure. Well, I think there's all sorts of fragmentation in the marketplace. You know, medicine is sort of still a cottage industry with all sorts of different organizations and insurance companies and proprietary databases. And there's also a lot of concern about sharing information as far as keeping the data integrity high and the privacy of the patient such that most insurance companies and private systems don't want to share their information. Now, this is greatly improving, but it's hard for me to know when I have a patient walk into the office, whether they just left a pharmacy down the street or another doctor's office without, you know, essentially going through a very time-consuming process. Now, one of the things I've, I've incorporated recently in the last, say, four years into what I do with patients is to have it be a routine that I question them about their current use of opiates and perform point-of-care drug testing to screen them in toxicology screen that can be done in the office. And I believe if this were done more universally as part of preoperative care, as part of any evaluation where somebody's getting an opiate, and whether they're even on it already or not, there's so much that can be learned by checking your gut against a test that will tell you a little bit more about what's happening with that patient. Let's talk about some of the tricks that have fooled you over the years with regard to this issue. Sure. Well, one gal that I worked with who had been complaining of migraine headaches had seen me maybe once or twice because she had another doctor, and when he was on vacation, I'd see her, but she said she wanted me to be her primary doctor. She comes in to see me and tells me that, you know, she goes into the emergency room maybe once every month or two to get an injection of Demerol for her migraine headaches, wouldn't it be better for her to have a small supply of medication to keep her out of the ER? And, you know, while that seemed reasonable on one level, 
I gave her a prescription. I asked her to leave a urine specimen because she claimed that she hadn't had any medication in a matter of weeks since she'd been in the ER. And sure enough, there was some Vicodin in her system. Mm. And this enabled me to confront her. And when she denied it, I was able to send that off for confirmation to confirm the fact that there was something in her urine. And in this fashion, there was a, a means to provide some objectivity to eventually confront the patient and let her know that help is available and she doesn't have to run around to doctor's offices to manage her addiction. What do you think typically is going on with patients? You know, clearly a a small subset, I hope, use the meds for diversion and just to make money on the street. But what do you find more commonly is going on in these kinds of patients? Yeah, and that's a great question because until I started treating opiate dependence, I really had no idea what it was like for somebody to be opiate dependent. But A lot of kids these days and even middle-aged folks are using prescription painkillers on a daily basis in order to simply get through the day. And if they don't, they wake up with tremendous muscle aches, tremendous sweating, an inability to really think about anything else or, or engage in any other responsibilities without somehow getting some opiate into their system. And they'll do things that are completely inconsistent with their overall character or how they want to be acting as a person, like selling their parents' prized jewelry or this sort of thing that they know is wrong and they know they don't want to be doing it and they're ashamed of it, but they just can't help it. And these are the folks that often are trolling from doctor to doctor. We've all met them. But underneath it all, they've lost the ability to control their behavior. And there are newer treatments now that are available that if we're able to identify these patients, then they can be referred for addiction treatment. So it's not so much that they're out to get high, it's that they want to avoid withdrawal? That is what I see on a more common basis. Getting high is sort of at the beginning, but when it works its way into being dependent on the medications, they just can't get through the day without it. Sounds like most caffeine drinkers to me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They're really not after the buzz from caffeine anymore. They just just don't want that headache. (laughs) Right. And then you multiply that by, you know, tenfold. Right. And of course, you're in the Seattle area, so that may be a little close to home for you, huh? (laughs) There you go. Yeah, I had to dose myself up this morning. (laughs) If you've just tuned in, you're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Bellevue, Washington internist, Dr. Michael Schieser. We are discussing how to appropriately use opioids in your practice. So, Mike, uh, walk us through how you decide to use a tox screen in your office. Well, you know, my office might be a little bit unique in that I see quite a few patients who are opiate dependent and they're receiving a medication called Suboxone. Now, this is my Friday morning clinic, so that's one day a week. But I have lots of primary care patients who come in and they, you know, threw their back out here or they have some complaint there and that the obvious sort of direction that the visit's pointing in an acute fashion to treat their pain is to get a prescription for an opiate pain medication. And so I simply try to determine in the course of the visit what I'm going to expect to see in their urine. Now, if they told me I've got a little bit of Vicodin in the medicine cabinet that I used the night before, well, then, of course, I'm going to expect to see that. And if that's not in their urine, it's going to raise a slight red flag because they might be saying, I used a little Vicodin and it helped. Mm. If they're saying, I don't have anything in my, you know, I haven't used anything, only Tylenol, and then something shows up, like the story I mentioned before, then that's also a red flag. So I simply say, 
look, this is a matter of course. It's routine to do this talk screen on the way out of the office, so there's never a push or pull on it. I also tell them that I'm subjected to third-party oversight from state authorities, DEA, that sort of thing. I never want to have my charts audited and have decisions that I've made get questioned by a third party and then be in a position where there's data that I could have obtained around that request that would have helped me make an appropriate decision but have not performed that test. And so, therefore, I feel that the documentation that I have in my chart relating to the toxicology gives me a leg up if someone's asking me how I run my office and why it is it that I chose to prescribe this drug to this patient or that sort of thing. You know, I'm going to highlight that because, you know, I don't think most of us do that. So you actually ask the patient before you do the tox screen, what am I going to find in your tox exactly. screen? Exactly. That's really a, a exactly. wonderful technique. because you want to see a match up. Now, what are the pitfalls of doing this? Well, as far as the toxicology screening, I don't see any. I mean, of course, the kits are somewhat expensive, but the insurance reimburses for the use of these tests. So it's essentially not a cost of the physician. There are ways to get the kits more cheaply through a group purchase option through a website called Office Drug Screen. There is some office management as far as getting the test performed. I don't actually run the test typically on the way out of the office. I have an office member do them in batches once a week, and I simply document what is it that I expect to find in the urine, and they match that up. And if everything matches, then I don't even have to talk about it. But every week, there might be one or two red flags, and this is typically in the treatment of opiate dependence where I have, you know, 30 urines lined up once a week that there might be some things that don't match up and I have to ask myself, well, what's going on here? Should I send this out for a gas chromatography confirmation? So there's a little bit of office staff involved, but I don't let the urine toxicology screening interrupt the flow of the day-to-day practice. I consider it something that I'll look at later and just to help me confirm that I'm on the right track here and I'm not missing something. Right. Excellent point. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today. You bet. We've been discussing using urine toxicology in the management of opiate dependence. Our guest has been Dr. Michael Schieser, an internist in Bellevue, Washington. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please join us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening.